Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. Uh, happy, I, I mean, good things have happened. Happy 25th anniversary to the X-Files uh, as, as, as we publish this. because uh, that's, that's today? That's the uh, September 10th. And we're talking about kidding? Yes. What's wrong? What, <laughs> what did we do wrong? Where we've got we've got X Files content coming up today. That on on as as you listen to this Monday. It's not is it it's not very good TV podcast related though. Are we just going to abruptly completely change the, the proposed topic for to just transition over to the X Files? Well, no, I don't have anything to say about it. The X Files? Nope. Oh, I bet I could get you to say something about the X Files. It's bad now. That's dwelling on that. Uh. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> Hope David Duchovny makes other things. Hope Julian Anderson keeps making other things. I like the way you phrase that. Like, you know, you you, you just want David Duchovny to do anything. It's like, Julian Anderson, just keep on doing what you're doing. I mean, I'm very skeptical of her new Netflix show, but... I mean, there's a tragic fact, which is maybe be skeptical of all Julian Anderson choices. The fall was great. Yeah, she she got that one right. Oh man, it is. This is if you guys wanted a Friday afternoon uh, vibe from this podcast, you got it because this is a very Friday afternoony sort of podcast today. That's what it always is. Well, Just mostly, some, mostly. Last week wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, the <laughs> got show rave reviews last week too. What? <laughs> we got rave reviews last week. On, on last all, week's podcast, all the responses I heard was like, "Oh, that was a great episode." <laughs> I was like, "Oh." So that's what happens when we're not doing it on Friday afternoon. Shoot. Well, we, 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 yeah, we did that. That was Thursday morning, and it felt really weird. Yep. The weird energy. It was too long. It's too long, and we we were very like awake. Yeah. I don't I don't think people really tune in for that. No. Um, but we are going to try to focus on on the show kidding for a little bit, just because. Uh, I'm gonna. We're making one of Ben's favorite things happen. We're gonna talk about death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's important. We need to recognize that death is imminent. Oh. It is coming for all of us, and if you run away from it, it's only going to make it worse. You have to stand in front of it and face it head on. Think of death. <laughs> think of death like Pennywise the clown. What? If you run away from Pennywise the clown, you're he's going to find you, and he's going to take you down into the sewers, and you're going to float aimlessly around that weird fucking ball thing did you even see this movie i didn't see the movie sorry. yeah i did see the movie why recently uh kind of recently okay this, why would you why did you want to watch it I, okay, sorry i didn't mean to distract you from talking about death continue talking about death or pennywise <laughs> the clown so if pennywise if you run away from pennywise then you're fucked but sure. the only way to defeat pennywise is to stand up to it face it and conquer your fear. That's the weird moral lesson pulled away from the pretty terrible film It. Sorry, everybody who likes the movie It. It's very bad, and you should recognize this. Um, but just as importantly, possibly more so, you should recognize that death is imminent and that we need to talk about it. So, but isn't this in, in a scenario like doesn't 
don't you still die? Doesn't Pennywise still kill you? I mean, if, if you stand up to it and you face your fears, then you'll realize that death is not something to be afraid of, but something to be embraced. So we're supposed to hug Pennywise the Clown? Yeah. Because Pennywise the Clown represents death. In this metaphor. I don't think in the film he does. He could. The film's all over the place. Do people actually hug Pennywise in the movie? Mm. Spoilers for It, the movie, which you apparently shouldn't see because it's not good. Kind of. It's so bad. I'm very, I feel, I'm very concerned about the sequel. Like, I can't believe that Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader agreed to do this thing. It must be ten times the film of the original. Otherwise, it's going to be their biggest mistake of their careers. Hmm. That's a big statement. I'll stand by it. Okay. We'll we'll loop back around that on oh, when we get when we when we do our big it part two episode. Liz, this is the perfect metaphor. We're talking about children this week, and we're talking about death. It is about a clown that kills children. This is the perfect thing to introduce our conversation. <laughs> I did it. So uh, the show the show Kidding, which is premiered, which has recently premiered on Showtime. As you listen to this, uh, it was available for early viewing if you felt like doing that. But now you've been able to watch it on your actual television sets uh, and, you know, uh, through your actual cable provider or what have you. And, yeah, it's a fascinating little show. It is about children. It is about death. It is about Jim Carrey uh, turning in a performance that I've gone on the record already as saying will win a Golden Globe in January of 2019. I don't know how many other Golden Globes it will win. I don't know if it will win any Emmys, but I'm fairly confident that he's going to win a, a Golden Globe for his performance for best for best actor in a comedy. Great. Do you do you do you agree with the statement? Um, I'm sure it could happen if uh, you know Showtime properly bribes the HFPA. I mean, they're pretty good at it. I mean, HFPA historically does love Showtime. To loop this back to our earlier conversation. They're the ones who gave David Duchovny a Golden Globe for Californication. Yeah, they gave David Duchovny a lot of Golden Globes. Correct. Um, no Emmys, though, for David Duchovny. Which is a cry and shame. <laughs> um, but Ben, why don't you talk a little bit about what Kidding is about? Because you, you've seen all four of the first four episodes. I've, I'm, I've seen like the first two, definitely, and, I, and about half of three. Uh, for uh, Because I was... I meant to. Well, I was trying. I was looking for out for one scene, and I watched the scene, and then I got distracted. I think. <laughs> um, I meant to finish it. I'm, I'm going to finish it, finish it because I do really find this show an interesting one. Uh, right, right. Uh, no, death is uh, death. <laughs> kidding is um, kidding is is as Liz has has properly uh, encompassed already. It's a show in which Jim Carrey is the lead. He plays a children's, a beloved children's programmer named Mr. Pickles. And Mr. Pickles is somewhat of an equivalent to Mr. Rogers. Everybody knows him. A lot of people grew up with him. He's been around for decades, and he's an established <coughs> institution on public television where he has his own show that, um, you know, speaks directly to children about, you know, big ideas, small ideas. Um, he sings a lot of songs, and it involves a lot of puppets. The puppets on Kidding, by the way, are absolutely amazing. I, I love the puppets so much. I could watch an entire episode that was just puppets because they're very inventive, clever, eye-catching, um, beautiful works of art all by themselves. And you're not historically a guy who, like, you know, you're, you're not like a, a – you're not an easy mark for puppets. 
I feel like I feel like you've no, no certainly no. certainly we've had this long conversation about Alf recently. Well, Alf's a piece of shit. I mean, <laughs> um, Alf Alf is a is a garbage creation that deserves to to rot in the hellscape it created. But um, puppets in general are fine. I mean, Sesame Street's great, and I, I enjoy plenty of the Muppet movies and whatnot. But who's your um, favorite Muppet? Oh man, that's tough. I don't know. Hmm. I think I'd need to revisit. It's been so long. Okay, fair question. Fair enough. I wouldn't but... want to make a. I wouldn't want to make a preemptive statement. Do you have a favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite puppet on uh, Mr. Pickles? Oh, on Mr. On on in kidding. Yeah. Um, I really liked the the kind of roly poly thing that Frank oh, Langella yeah. made fun of right at the start of the show. Right. Um, uh, Frank Langella is the is the producer on Kidding. Um, he, he's also he, nope. Uh, don't give that away. That's not that's a spoiler. You bet. Really? Remember the end of the first episode. Other people have been giving it away, and I think that's a mistake. Don't I didn't really it. think of it as a spoiler. It is for sure. Yeah. Okay. Continue. It's actually revealed. Like it's a it's a it as as part of the show. It is a reveal within it within the last seconds of the premiere. Mm. So, um, so he's the he's the producer on on Mr. Pickle's show. Uh, Catherine Keener plays the the lead puppet, not well puppeteer and puppet maker designer. Designer, yeah. yes, designer is the right word. Um, and uh, there's a there's a shot where she's kind of creating one, and and you see it, and then like Frank Langella walks by and calls it something terrible, uh, and dismisses it. But it's great. I actually really thought that was a great puppet. I think ukulele. Uh, the ukulele. The ukulele is a pretty pretty inventive. Right. He's a it's a ukulele with like eyes. Um, and his mouth moves as uh, Mr. Pickles moves, like, the handle on the back of him. But there's, there's, like a... there's arms that are attached to the ukulele that are ukulele's arms. But Mr. Pickles' hand slips inside the gloves to play ukulele. So it actually looks like ukulele's playing himself, even though, you know, obviously Mr. Pickles is doing it. It's great. It's a great design. Yeah. Um, and there's so many of them. There's so many really great puppet designs. Yeah. I'm um, a big fan of Astronauter. Um, astronauter is kind of is. Am I getting the name right? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah it's I just because you started laughing. I was like, well, it's, either, the, it's either just the memory of astronauter or it's the astronauter scene. Also, I don't think astronauter is a puppet. No, it's technically. I mean, I, I, if we're going to get into, schema- into uh, schematics, uh, oh god, what's the term I'm looking for here? Um, oh god, I can't remember. Specifics. Specifics, I guess, is kind of there. Um, but yeah. Yeah, he's he. Yeah, astronauter is a person inside a costume. Right, and unlike say Big Bird, who is also technically a person inside of a costume, there's no strings. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because with Big Bird, like Carol, uh, Carol, I forget his last name, but the 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 guy who played him for so long, uh, I just did this gesture in the office, uh, so Ben could see it. You can't, but I he his hand was up in Big Bird's uh, arm that whole time. Apparently, he had a lot of back problems. Right. In the later years of his life. Correct. Um, anyway, those are the those are the wonderful little eccentricities of the show, and that's that's kind of the world that it's based in. And uh, very early on, you you are shown a stark contrast between kind of the world that Mr. Pickles has created through the show, very bright, very cheerful, very positive, and the world that he's faced with in reality when he you know steps off camera and has to experience life on his own. And uh, the the main crux of this, you know. Uh, break between uh, the two halves of Mr. Pickles slash Jim, or wait, no. What's his name? Jeff. Jeff. 
Jesus. Um, but the, those two halves are, are embodied uh, by this problem that he's facing in that his son died. Mm-hmm. And um, he is pretty much in denial about it. I mean, he accepts it, but he only sees it as something that they should embrace as a positive and um, kind of move forward with uh, as if, not as if nothing had changed, but that's kind of how he's treating a lot of the areas and like around his son. So he's having trouble kind of expressing his grief in the show. And um, the, the problem arises when he decides he wants to do an episode of the show about death. He wants to actually uh, talk to the children about what happens when you die. And obviously the producer, Frank Langella, thinks this is a terrible idea because his main objective is to continue the show uh, as controversy-free as possible because it's a multi-million dollar property and there's a lot of things tied up into, uh, into you know, <laughs> into the show's uh, accepted standards. Yeah. Um, so this is the main gist some people are arguing that mr pickles uh exists onto his unto himself and he should not be talking about death jeff at this moment in time thinks that those two worlds can merge and the show kind of explores how this is done and what's the best way to heal and we get you know a glimpse of you know the rest of jeff's family especially his wife played by judy greer um and, and you know get a little point of contrast in terms of you know what's the best way to to grieve and and go through this in this you know very difficult process and to me the biggest question about kidding isn't its quality or its um its plot it's if anybody's going to watch it and i think that's why it's important for us to talk about it because um i think we both agree it's a a good show as liz said earlier it was it's very interesting you want to keep watching it um i really respect it enjoy it i think it's uh, having a great conversation featuring uh wonderful performances inventive narrative and obviously terrific mise-en-scene so um we should mention that michelle gondry is the direct is, is kind of the director of record he doesn't direct every episode of the season but he directs a fair portion of them um and as you might expect michelle gondry delivers visually sure uh yeah yeah no it's yeah especially um, as we hadn't mentioned it right right no. um yeah, that's that's important too. But I mean, it's just in terms of answering the question of whether or not people watch it, I don't think it has anything to do with Gondry. I think it has everything to do with Carrie. I think if oh, yeah. if they can accept him um, in this realm, which historically they have not done, then I think Kidding could be a hit for Showtime. But the the first week's numbers are not going to tell us what we need to know. It's going to be the second, third, fourth, fifth to see if people stick with this show that is very much about exploring the death of a child. I kind of really regret not making this a meta episode of the podcast and being all like, Ben, you can't talk about kidding or you can't talk about death because that would have been fun. But I don't think it would have lasted. Yeah. Well, no, you would have worn me down and talked about death anyway. It's important. Yeah. (laughs) It's come up. You've mentioned it once or twice. Um, Something I wanted to mention, oh, yeah, in talking about the fact that Jim Carrey is a draw here, is it, I feel like it's so, especially as he's kind of like developed these quirks to his personality that have come out, like the whole political paintings thing. Um, as these things have come out more and more, uh, he's he's become like it, it's 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 hard to remember, or it's not hard to remember 
when you watch him that, oh my God, this guy used to be one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. And he still has that character, that, that charisma and that charm and that ability to really create a character and make him make that character very distinctly his own. Um, and I think we see that a lot in Kidding. Uh, but it was something I had, like, Kidding reminded me, essentially, that of that of those, like, yeah, that 20 years or so where, you know, he was doing a lot. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, even when he was, even when he was at his peak, whenever he tried to do drama, it didn't work. Um, he got great reviews, but nobody would see those movies. Like, his... His box office is almost identical for stuff like Man on the Moon and Eternal Sunshine and, um, I, well, I mean, The Majestic is worse. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, The Majestic. God, no. I've forgotten that movie existed. That one didn't exactly even have the reviews. Uh, but even when he skewed kind of horror in, like, the number 23, you know, it, it, people aren't that interested in seeing it. So mm-hmm. I think that you're absolutely right. The The performance he gives is, is, is layered and... Um, it's incredibly it's in, it's incredibly impressive how well he can go between kind of that that big not comedic just big performance where uh where you see the sides that came out all the time in Liar Liar and Ace Ventura where he's you know shouting or he's um, just, you know, stretching himself uh, to the extremes. And those come out in, like, little spurts to kind of represent uh, Jeff's repressed state and repressed emotion throughout Kidding. But they're not used in the same way. They're not used to be, you know, big comedic moments. They're used to illustrate, you know, what's going on, what kind of churning problems and, and emotions are happening inside of this guy. And the rest of it is very nuanced. And his ability to convince us that this guy who at sometimes is is painfully naive and that he doesn't quite understand very basic aspects of, of adulthood um, and yet at other times is very wise and experienced and has the right answers uh, that a lot of people don't for very dark, intense, difficult situations. His ability to kind of maneuver that character through that tricky minefield is is astounding i mean it, it's not that's the hard thing for me to believe the, the biggest challenge of the role is just is just him convincing us that someone can be this sincere and this earnest and this positive uh without you know just being a psycho underneath like without just being either utterly false in that presentation or you know uh, seriously deranged like it would have been a lot easier if they just would have said like okay on camera he's this guy and off camera he's you know a nutso and a and a dirtbag and a like yeah, like the death based... to smoochie model i was literally about to say death to smoochie we both love death to smoochie oh man i feel like you're avoiding that death to smoochie trap must have been written on the writer's room wall at some point this smoochie's great but it is it is like a great example of, you know, Robin Williams is utterly depraved when he's not playing that children's performer. Right. Uh, and when he is, he's, you know, a picture of innocence. And uh, in this, the Mr. Pickles and Jeff, is a it's a thin line between them um, and exploring whether or not there should be a line and what kind of can cross over that line is what the series is very much about. I think the thing that really surprised me when I watched it uh, was that it w- was the level of rage 
he has. Like, and I, I think I wasn't expecting that element of his character. And I think that the way in which, especially in the first two episodes, they draw that out is really fascinating. Like, there's, there's a lot, it, it, like you said, like there's so much under the surface here that still feels very immediate and present that really makes it fascinating. Well, yeah, it's that his rage isn't based in something depraved or weird or or just uh problematic it's 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 only issue is that it's repressed like the rage comes out because he just can't hold it back anymore and mm-hmm. the fact that that cues you into the fact that he is holding a lot back is something that needs to be explored but it doesn't necessarily indicate that you know uh, one half of himself is uh untruthful or, or invalid or um, otherwise ineffective. So, um, it's, it's, it's a very interesting character. I'll be curious how long they can sustain the conversation they've set up. They've got a good kind of central problem, which emerges, I think not until like the second or third episode, uh, in terms of like, a, uh, instead of it being like an emotional thing they have to work through in like therapy or that mm-hmm. would be best worked through if they just said, Hey, let's go to therapy. Um, they actually have a, like a, a business physical concrete problem that they have to tackle. Um, and you know, I don't know how long they can keep talking about death or keep talking about, um, exploring death through children's television or acknowledging it in children's television. I don't know how much, if that is going to go beyond the first season, if it can even stretch throughout the whole first season. Um, to me, it was the kind of eternal sunshine problem where, you know, eternal sunshine is a beautiful, thoroughly compelling, wildly inventive film um, but the idea of sitting in it for 10 hours instead of two hours or five hours instead of two hours is, that sounds tough. That sounds mm-hmm. like it would be too much. And kidding is going to have to walk that line a bit. Well, it kind of, I go with me because I think this comparison works. It kind of reminds me of the new lifetime drama, you in a certain respect, because, uh, which I just reviewed the first and uh, watched the first five episodes of that. And uh, the thing about you, which uh, is about, you has a very strong central theme, which is about um, a guy who by some rom-com standards would be considered to be the perfect leading man. And by reality standards is a creepy creepy, creepy stalker. Um, And that that is an interesting concept that is interesting to play with. but the reason the show works so well is that it's not just about discussing one issue. It's about discussing that issue, but in the context of a lot of plotting and a lot of interesting twists and a lot happens and there's a lot, a lot going on. And it's, it's, you know, bonkers in some respects, just how much happens over the course of these five episodes. Um, but I feel like when you have that, when you have so, we have so many different elements happening, it makes it easier I feel like at times to still have that undercurrent of a theme working with you. That makes any sense. I mean, yeah, if, if, if you're, if you're front loading plot, then it's a lot easier to just kind of slip in the conversation as opposed to if you're front loading the conversation and you're just kind of slipping in plot, like there's choices that are made in Kidding's first four episodes and there's progress, uh, that we see through those choices. Um, but it's still very much, set in a world that's not you know twist dependent or overly plotted and you know again like the the necessary difference to to highlight is in you that lead character is is someone who puts forth a false face 
in one part of his life and then reveals his true self in another. Whereas in Kidding, it's all the same guy. He's not lying ever. It's always him. Um, it's just a matter of, of how we kind of section off our our realities and, and how we blend our professional personas with our personal personas and, and kind of where that line has to be, especially for public figures. Um, I think there'll be a lot of essays written in regard to this being an exploration of, of Jim Carrey as a star and mm. what you alluded to before in the fact that he kind of receded from that. Like he just stopped taking roles for a while. He just didn't want to be part of that machine. Um, and, uh, you know, now at least he's, he's back in the, he's back in a starring role It'll just be curious to see how many people show up to check it out. Yeah. I mean, but the point is that they should. They should, yeah. Because it's important to talk about death. Yes, Ben. It's come up. But, Ben, here's what matters. Not, what well, here's what matters. Death is what matters, Liz. I know. Yes, I know. But another thing that matters is, hmm. what was the best thing you watched last week? Seems trivial. <laughs> yes, it's a it's of lower importance than death, but well, Liz, do you think do you think kids should be should be taught about death? Like, do you think that the that Mr. Pickles is on the right track? I think that I I think the thing, and this is I guess constitutes a quasi spoiler for the episode. I think uh, the scene that they where Mr. Pickles does they do show like Mr. Pickles attempting to explain death. On, in the context of his TV show. And I think a lot of his metaphor works. Uh, he talks about it as like, you know, like you lose and you, you packed up all your, to your toys and you, to move to a new house. And then it turns out that one of your toys accidentally got donated and it's gone forever and you never got to say goodbye. Wow, actually that got me a little emotional. Um, <clears throat> like I thought that all worked. Uh, that was a really interesting thing. Um, so yeah, I mean you got to you got to explain it to kids eventually. Otherwise, you know, you can't you can't go with the farm excuse forever. But I think also I think here's the important thing, which is, you know, you can explain to a child what the concept of death is. But I think even as adults, like we still grapple with what it really means. Like, which is why, of course, that shows like kidding should exist so that they confront us with it daily. And that's why coworkers like Ben should exist. So you're confronted with it daily. Yeah, I mean, I, I, kidding confronts it with you uh, at best once a week, ten that's times true. a year. I'm here twenty four seven, three sixty five. That um, is true. I. But I think again, like that's the that's the touchy aspect that we highlighted before. Like everyone has a different opinion about when they're talking to kids about death, what's okay and what's not. It's like the Santa Claus question: Are you going to tell them that Santa Claus exists, and then one day just say, "Oh no, he doesn't exist," or you know, if you whatever continue to believe he exists, that's fine. But are you going to go with yeah, the farm that? excuse and say? Like, oh, yeah, they just go to the farm because they're young enough to believe that. And then one day you're going to tell them, yeah, no, the farm isn't real. Or are you always going to be honest and engage them? Like, there's there's a lot of different theories about what's best for them psychologically, uh, what's best for them in terms of their long-term relationship with death. Um, that's, that's something that, you know, everybody's going to have to explore on their own. And, you know, if you've got – if you're – uh, association with death is founded in religion then that's going to provide its own answers and you can you know choose whether or not to impart that onto your kids or to let them choose their own path but again the only idea that doesn't seem to work is the disassociation with it like the one where 
you ignore it or put it into a box. And I think that's what's so important about kidding. I think what it's illustrating above anything else, or at least so far, is that you can't just put it into a box. There has to be some sort of outlet, whether it's you, you know, berating your coworkers and making them do a podcast about it, uh, whether it's writing way too many words online about it and, and getting it out that way, whether it's, you know, exploring your own fear by throwing yourself headfirst into the conversation whenever it even, you know, threatens to come up in a conversation. Um, there has to be some sort of outlet and, and discussion and acknowledgement. Otherwise, that fear is going to overwhelm you at some point and you don't want to do it. You don't want to be grappling with that when you're 50 or 60 or 70 or like you said with the toy metaphor, you don't want to be grappling with it unexpectedly when you're forced to and you never thought about it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think they should show the episode. It seemed good. <laughs> let the let the record show that. Ben... You know, Mister Rogers did a show about death. <laughs> let the record show that Ben, fan of the half hour podcast. When I took the opportunity to try to wrap up the podcast, was like, no, I'm not done talking about death. Let yeah, me talk about Yeah, because you're never going to give me another opportunity to talk about death, Liz. Oh, my God. I've been berating you for weeks to try to talk about death, and you're just like, no, Ben, we can't do that on the podcast. Oh, the answer, exact words were, Ben, I don't want to talk about death on the podcast. Yeah. But the thing is, we will 100% talk about death again on the podcast, because you know why? You co-host it. And True Detective's coming back in January. That's going to be great. Oh, God. Ugh. Speaking of death. Line-by-line line breakdown of <laughs> the most morbid quotes from True Detective. God, what was the... If anybody's going to usher us through a conversation with death, it should be Mahershala Ali. Let's I just mean, throw that out No, there. I mean, I, I love him. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all about it. Like... Nice, comforting... <laughs> Comforting gaze, arms, gray hair of Mahershala Ali. Oh, God. Did you ever watch uh, The 4400? Um, it was a USA no. drama. It was it, it was really fun. I really liked it. Uh, it had time travel and stuff. Uh, and he was on it, and he was a really interesting character. Um, I, I enjoyed his early work, is what I'm saying. I am a Mahershala Ali. <laughs> I, I can't say his name. <laughs> Well, also, back, this was before he shortened his name. Like, his full name is much longer. Right. But I apologize to that fine sir, and I look forward to his work in True Detective Season 3, even if I do not actually look forward to True Detective Season 3. It's going to be great. Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, Well, the best thing I watched last week is is probably twofold. Um, One is uh, the new, or the upcoming television program homecoming which premiered at uh the toronto film festival a uh, friend of the podcast sam Esmail directed all the episodes Hi, that, sam. Should, that should definitely be noted um and he directed the hell out of them um <laughs> that one's that one's gonna be fun to talk about especially on indiewire where all the cinephiles are gonna just come out of the woodwork and start citing references and inspirations and this oh, music Lord, cue comes from here do... and that like shot is stolen from this not stolen homage to this um, but it's great. That's going to be fun for everybody. Uh, but since it doesn't come out till November, uh, more pressing is the first Hulu's Sean Penn starring Bo Willimon created Mission to Mars drama. Um, it's great. It's really good. I, uh, I really, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, elegant story told in eight episodes. All the episodes are like 50 minutes or less. Um, it's it's something that 
isn't like it doesn't feel like a fast story but it's told efficiently so it just kind of moves through you and uh great performances all around just so smart in his handling of like the character dynamics in the show like how he shifts from perspectives and Mm -hmm. then really tries to engage with stories that a lot of these um you know adventure arcs especially adventure arcs led by a guy like that they that they historically don't engage with um it's great i i i'm really excited for it to get out there and for people to see it yeah i don't have it down as my best thing but uh i did i have seen the first four and i also really responded to it i'm really excited to finish watching it um and i think what it's doing in a lot of respects is very smart so yeah um i i agree and i think the most exciting thing for me about it isn't the fact isn't this is going to sound like a a diss to some a little bit but i like the fact that sean penn isn't really like the star like he's a big part of the show of course he's the essential lead but it is much more of an ensemble than i was expecting and i really appreciate that it's almost like the show is like apologizing for like yeah we had the cast of big white man not big he's seems relatively compact but we had to cast a white man as the lead in this thing but we then it's filled out with this really interesting cast of supporting players that i really i really liked no yeah i think we talked about it before it was that there's there's an actual arc in the episode that parallels what the show is based on um in that like sean penn is playing this very famous astronaut who's brought in to this mission without spoiling anything uh in relation to that status and he's confronted about it by the people who he's kind of pushing out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like it's, it is just meta enough for you to catch it and appreciate it without it ever threatening to overwhelm, you know, the simple story that they're going after. Um, but again, like it's, I, I really respected what Bo Willimon did. And also, Bo Willimon's the creator. He's the showrunner. Those episodes that kind of really shift into uh, women's perspectives, um, mm-hmm. like really strongly shift into women's perspectives, are all written by women. And I think at least two of the three or two of the four were directed by women too. So Did they have someone. They had a really good female director on at least one of them. They had great directors all around, but they, they just. And I I'm mean, just trying to remember like the name of one of them. Anyway. It's it's one of those shows where um, they seem to get so much of it right. It was a very thoughtfully made show. Um, lots of of conscious active decisions um there's one for for as much of it like that clicks and makes perfect sense and really comes together and it's not not a crazy twisty show or anything like that but there is one section of it that i've been talking with other critics about that i just i don't understand at all um it's definitely something teased that will be brought back in the future but um anyway there's there's a lot to discuss with it i hope People look for it on Hulu when it comes out on the 14th, which is this Friday, if you're listening to this as it comes out. Um, yeah. Agnesia Holland was sure. the woman I was thinking of. She's done a lot of really cool stuff. All right. What's your favorite thing, the best thing you saw last week, Liz? Well, obligatory shout-out to Better Call Saul. A uh, really strong episode uh, last week, and I'm looking forward to watching. Fuck. What? I forgot my obligatory shout-out to America to me. Sorry, guys. Yep. Uh <clears throat> And also, uh, I can finally say it, BoJack is great. BoJack season five, top notch. Um, Pushes in a lot of interesting directions. Uh, I think 
There are some jokes that I think uh, are tailor-made to please the TV nerds among us. Uh, it's I, I I'm sure people like I'm sure people will have feelings about it one way or the other. I'm I, I feel like your feelings are valid as always, but I loved it. Um, I loved it. A gave it an A. That's it. Uh, for but the other thing I want to shout out to is <clears throat> the thing that's really been my favorite thing to watch this week is our good friend Steve Green um, has been committing to an experiment for us. He has been watching selected episodes of the X-Files in, for an article that, as you listen to this, should be now live on IndieWire.com because it's almost done, actually, because Steve has been watching the X-Files for the first time and logging his responses to the episodes that we selected, and uh, he's been enjoying it so far. Uh, Weirdly, he he he's he's got watched as 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 we speak. I know he's watched three the first three he was asked to watch, um, and weirdly, uh, D.N.D. Verlitz is still his favorite. Um, I was hmm. not expecting it to be Clyde Bruckman in his regard, but interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what he thinks of the the, the remaining two. Um, Steve is a man of of uh, eccentric tastes, so yeah, I think he just really responded to a couple of elements of that episode. Um, Maybe including the fact that it opens with a shout out to the San Diego Chargers, uh, who were at that time, at, at, who were at, when that episode premiered, about just about to play in the Super Bowl. Um, oh, sad. Yeah, they did not win. Apparently, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do they even exist. Oh, that's that's that that's bleak, man. They don't. Um, but yeah, so that's been a delight. I hope, I've I've been thoroughly enjoying steve's responses to the to the show uh uh so if you go to indywire you should definitely check out that piece um ben what's the next thing you're looking forward to um the next thing i'm looking forward to is um warriors of liberty city on stars i believe i've talked about it a little bit in the past but it's getting ready to premiere um it's a docuseries set in a small florida town that has proven to be um a a a factory for NFL players. Um, and they have this youth football league that a bunch of current and former NFL stars played on and it, you know, started them on their career to whatever. And it's a very troubled, um, crime ridden neighborhood and area of Florida. And this is like a, an after school program that's like trying to steer these kids in the right direction and give them something to do when they get out of, you know, get out of school. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that I got a, a taste of at South by Southwest, and I really liked what I saw. It's produced by uh, LeBron James, um, and it's it's a good story unto itself, and the kids are really interesting to track. Um, because it's a Stars docuseries, it's a lot, and, and it's about kids. Um, it's somewhat similar to American Me, I guess, but the way it was made and kind of the construction of it is a little bit more um, straightforward toward following the narrative of a football season um of a team through a football season and you know what's going on around them during it but um but no i mean i'm excited to see more of that and then um i'm excited to see maniac because justin throws back on tv yeah maniac's my pick for next thing yeah because um, i gotta watch it all this weekend uh, for one thing so it has to be the next thing i'm looking forward to um so looking forward to maniac uh think we've talked we talked about maniac i think a lot last week so i don't know if we need to dig in again but yeah maniac should be it should be a very interesting show um and you'll be able to read all about it and more read all about maniac and more shows all the shows at indywire.com where you'll find news reviews interviews features all the stuff you like 
Make sure to listen to IndieWire's other podcasts, including the Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider, uh, the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, and of course, uh, the best and really the only podcast you need to be listening to, uh, Chris O'Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. Correct. Um, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. That is also correct. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, keep watching television. <laughs>